Hey friends, I'm Becky Davidson. Welcome to the Rising Above Ministries podcast, where we share stories of hope, inspiration, and encouragement from special needs families from around the world. Mark Arnold is joining us today on the podcast, and I was completely blown away when I started researching before our conversation to learn more about him, and I started seeing all of the different things that he is doing in his part of the world to love and serve and encourage special needs families. Mark is also the father to James, who has autism, learning difficulties, and epilepsy. This was such an encouraging conversation, and I know that you will be blessed by hearing about Mark and his family and what he's doing to serve the families that God has brought in his life. So here's the conversation that I had with Mark Arnold. Hey, Mark, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. I am excited to get to meet you. This is the first time we've ever met, and I'm excited to know more about you and your story. So thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for inviting me, Becky. It's really great to be a part of the podcast. Really looking forward to our conversation and all the things that we'll share as we chat together. Yeah. So tell everybody where you are from, because obviously I have a very uh, Southern Tennessee accent and your accent is not like mine. So where are you yeah. joining us from? So, so my accent's a bit different. I'm from the south coast of England, uh, a beach town called Bournemouth. Uh, and uh, that's where I was born and raised. I've always lived here. Work's taken me all over the place, wow. including to the US. Mm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I live here and love being uh, in a beach town in uh, in England. Well, I'm a little jealous because I'm sure it's beautiful there. And um, I'm sure it's been it's nice to be able to have that the beach to go to. There's something about water and the ocean yeah. and beach that's just so refreshing. And Oh, it is, isn't it? You know, and the sun shining today, mm-hmm. you know, beginning to get a bit of warmth coming on. And so, yeah, you know, the, the good days are coming back. That is that is good. Same here. It's a beautiful day here today, too. So I'm very grateful. That changes everybody's mood and morale around me when, when the sun is shining. Yeah, so Doesn't it just? Yeah, it absolutely. Does. Well, I did a little bit of research yesterday because, like I said, this is the first time we've met. And so mm-hmm. I went to one website, the one that for where you work. And then it led me, I just kept finding you all over the place. (laughs) It was like, oh my, I mean, like I would go here and then I would go, oh, he's also here. So we're going to unpack a little bit about that today, but I'd love to, the the main reason that you are part of the, as you call it, the additional needs life is because of your son, James. So tell us a little bit about your son and your journey as a special needs dad. Okay. So Uh, We have two children. Our eldest is Phoebe. She's 22 and just finishing her university degree in history. And uh, our youngest is James. He's 19, coming up to 20 in June. And when James was two, he was diagnosed as autistic and with learning difficulties. And uh, along the way since then, particularly when he was about 15, uh, he uh, picked up epilepsy and anxiety disorder Uh, around then too. So our journey as family, as church, in the work that I do, is all very much bound up in James's journey too. And, you know, he's taught us huge amounts over those 19 years that we've then been able to pass on to others. Mm. And in that, the greatest joy is when you take Mm. something that the world would look at as tragic or hard, and then you're able to use it to bless so many other people. And so I'm excited about unpacking Mm. that 
yeah. this conversation. Um, so think back to those early days uh, when you're first getting that diagnosis. You're a dad, you're, you have a son, and I'm sure you're like my late husband and you had these dreams of what you thought your life mm. was going to look like. How did you handle and deal with the news that your son had the diagnosis of autism? You know, back then we knew nothing about autism. We knew nothing about uh, what we call additional needs. I think you call special needs mm -hmm. in, in the US. Yes. We knew nothing about that world at all. And and then suddenly somebody uh, sat us down and very kindly and very carefully explained to us um, that our son is autistic and has learning difficulties. And that was when he was two and a half. And it was like the the world had been ripped out from under us. Uh, we just didn't know what to think. We didn't know mm -hmm. what to say, what to do. We didn't even know what questions to ask, yeah. let alone where to look for answers for them. Yeah, it was a really tough time. And and that can be true for for lots and lots of families, can't it? You know, we yeah. we all find ourselves in that hard place. And somebody explained it to me uh, a little bit after that time as um, that we were going through the cycle of grief, mm. cycle of grief mm -hmm. that we often associate with a, a a loss, a passing of of somebody, but actually a significant loss in another way, in a different way, mm. can be just as difficult to cope with and and we go through that journey of that cycle of grief and we did that and and when you think about it i know when when james was little and like all parents you have those probably really unrealistic dreams mm -hmm. and aspirations for your children i i remember looking at james and thinking hey maybe maybe he'll be an astronaut you know, maybe he'll be uh, a scientist that discovers something amazing. Uh, we play cricket in England. And um, back then, we weren't doing too well. Uh, and uh, I was thinking, maybe James will be a great <laughs> cricketer and make England a fantastic cricket uh, team again. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's 19 coming on 20. Now. We really need some good cricketers now. <laughs> so that dream would have been a good one. But, yeah. uh, you know. And, and what happens is that usually as our children grow up, those dreams change mm -hmm. bit by bit as we notice that, hey, maybe they don't like science, but they're really good at something else. They're great at art or they're great at dancing or they're great at, they like history or whatever mm -hmm. it might be. Uh, and so our dreams change for them. But in those moments where you get that diagnosis when they're two, all of that changes in an instant. And, and that's mm -hmm. really hard. Uh, and it's a tough time for, for most parents, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it, our stories kind of parallel in the fact that when our son was 16, he also, we had already had, the, we were dealing with autism, cerebral mm -hmm. palsy, but he also around the age of 16 got the epilepsy diagnosis. Yeah. And so yeah. you're then getting that other diagnosis on top of kind of, kind of already accepting the diagnosis that they receive when they're little. And then you get this whole new journey that you're going to have to go on. How, how did you all respond to that? Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll never forget that day. Scariest day of my life. Uh, I had um, helped James you know, to get up, get dressed. He'd come downstairs. He was in his den. Uh, I went to get him some breakfast. And when I walked into his den with his breakfast, he was having a seizure. Mm. And you know, just went straight into automatic mode, really, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, um, 
you know, the, the shock came later, but mm-hmm. in that moment, it was okay. Get him safe. Call the paramedics. Mm-hmm. Do all the things that that were needed. And um, yeah, I, I did those things. Uh, when the paramedics had come, and by then James was fine. He'd he got through the the seizure. He was sleeping it off, and and all of that. Um, yeah, that's when the shock hit, uh, mm-hmm. and I was there shaking. You know, thinking, yeah. what has just happened mm-hmm. uh, to to my boy, you know, and is that just a one-off thing or is that going to be something that uh, is continuous? And, and it became a, a continuous thing until we found the right medication to help him to be able to control that. And yeah. uh, praise God, he's been seizure-free for coming on for two and a half years oh, that's now. That's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, which, is, which is really good news. Mm-hmm. But the, the ongoing effects of that for James uh, was the uh, the anxiety that uh, that mm. that uh, generated in him. So, yeah. not that long after that first seizure, James went through a phase where he became so anxious uh, and uh, felt maybe that he was going to have seizures and mm. and was worried about that. That it stopped him from being able to go out. Uh, we, we were off school for over a year. You know, there was it was a tough, another mm-hmm. tough period for yeah. us to navigate a, a, a positive path through. Mm. Well, how did you see God show up during all those hard? You know, I think when we see our kids struggling, and you saw him struggle with the seizure, then struggle with anxiety, mm. and how did you see God show up for your family during those times? You know, God was already there. God was already in in the middle of all of that. Mm-hmm. You know, in that moment where I walked into that room and saw James having a seizure, it was God that helped me to be able to focus and to mm-hmm. do the things that were needed to make sure that James was safe and uh, that he didn't do harm to himself and that the paramedics were coming and all those kinds of things. Uh, but as we continued on that journey, and particularly as James then had all the associated anxiety uh, with that as well, you know, God was there showing us that actually, you know, there were still positive things to be mm. thankful for. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, we still had good things that we could do, even if we couldn't go out, there were still glimmers of light in the darkness. Mm. Uh, and, and so we never gave up that hope. We never yeah. gave up that trust in God. We always knew uh, that, uh, that God was there with us mm. and that God was using what was happening in in our family life and in James uh, particularly as um, yeah something that could continue to be mm. uh, helpful for others yeah. as we shared our story and as other people uh, understood that story and were helped by it. Well, James is now 19 years old. And yeah. so what's his day-to-day life like now? It, you know, he's not a young child anymore. Mm. He's a, you know, growing into an adult. So what, what does his day-to-day look like? So so it's a really uh, it's interesting times for us mm-hmm. uh, at the moment because, uh, as you say, James is 19 and so uh, he's now left school and he's also been transferring from all the children's services yes. and support and yeah. uh, therapies and all the things that were in place for him mm-hmm. into adult services and so that's been a gradual process over the last few months. Uh, and every now and then something else will crop up. It was the dentist uh, a few right. weeks ago. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, bit by bit, he's transitioning from children's services to adult services. But we're also exploring the next steps for James. Uh, mm. And those next steps are 
how can James continue to learn, to develop, to grow life skills, to be able to, yeah, just have his identity in the mm-hmm. world. Uh, and that's something we're working through the, you know, the last couple of years and all that that's brought hasn't helped any. Right. Uh, and right. a lot of the uh, services that we are wanting to connect James into mm-hmm. are still um, either close to to new uh, people joining at the moment or aren't open yet after the uh, the various lockdowns of the pandemic. So we're we're sort of working through all that mm-hmm. still. But uh, again, you know, there's 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 hope for the future. There's uh, th- there are things that we are keen to get James yeah. involved in that will help him to get the most out of life mm-hmm. and to yeah just to share himself with the world. There's a lot that James mm. has got that he can share yeah. and that that bring joy to people. Yeah. And uh, we want to make sure that uh, people get to see that side of James too. And, you know, and I love that because that's one of the things about my son, he's 24 now and, you know, he's nonverbal and the world would look at my son and, you know, they see him in a wheelchair and they think, you know, he probably doesn't have that much to offer. The world would say mm. that. You know, us as parents obviously know that is not the case. And so Mm. when people see James out in the community, out in church, wherever you are, what do you hope people see when they see James? I I hope they they see the joy that he Mm. has in his heart, the smile, the the wonderful belly laugh that he Mm. has. Uh, You know, like your son, my my son James is mostly nonverbal. He has a a handful of words, you know, yes, no, please, thank you. Mm. Um, beer, for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> hey, picked, you know, he's at the age, right? At an early <laughs> age. Well, yeah, he's, he's had that one for years, but uh, you know, he can't, can't drink it because yeah. of his epilepsy meds, but he can right. say it. Uh, but I hope that people, yeah, see the, the, the joy that he brings. And people that know him uh, do see that. Um, mm. We, when we take James out to some of his favorite places, there's a, a farm that has a shop uh, and mm. uh, a cafe and different places there. And we we love to take James there. And when he arrives, they're genuinely pleased to see mm. him. They greet him by name. They say, hey, James, great to see you. Come in. You know, they're really understanding and, and loving towards him. And he smiles and, and engages with them. And, and that's what we want with all the interactions mm. that uh, James has with people. And now, th- that that can be the case at church too, when the people that have journeyed with James, we've had folk that have supported James and journeyed with James at church since he was three. So, you know, 16 years in some yeah. cases that, that people have supported him right the way through our children's and youth programs. And that's great. And, and some of those folk come and support James here in our home as well and spend time with him here. So, you know, that's that's what we want. We want people mm-hmm. to have those relationships with James and, yeah, see beyond uh, the mm-hmm. uh, the additional needs that James has got, you know, important and a significant part of who he is, though they are, but to actually see the whole of James mm-hmm. uh, and, and the roundness of James. And I'm always inspired by uh, that, uh, that story uh, in the Bible where um, uh, the friends bring the guy mm, to meet yeah. Jesus and lower him down through mm-hmm. the roof. That amazing yeah. story. And th- th- several things that stick out for me in that story. One is he had friends. He had people that cared about him. He had mm-hmm. people that, that loved him and wanted uh, to bring him to Jesus and uh, to 
see Jesus, hear Jesus, and see what Jesus would do. But the other important thing that we often overlook in that story is that when he was lowered down in front of Jesus, the most important thing to Jesus was the man himself, his faith, and his eternal salvation. And Mm. that was what mattered to Jesus most. He actually only healed him to prove that he had the authority on earth to do those other things. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, what Jesus saw was the whole person mm. uh, and and his faith and, uh, and and all of that. And that's what yeah, I'm keen for people to see mm. when they meet G- when they meet James and when they uh, yeah get to know him. And, and doesn't it just thrill your soul when someone gets our kids? You know, when someone sees my son. And you so often like we'll go into church and people will say hi to me. But when they stop and they acknowledge John Alex and they get down on his level, you know, where when he's in his wheelchair and make eye contact with him and talk to him. My goodness, what that does for us as parents is just so life giving. Oh, yeah. It is. You know, it shows that, yeah, those people mm-hmm. care. They're, they're interested uh, you know, in in our kids, and you know, even when they're adults, they're Absolutely. still our kids. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and yeah, you know, they, they are taking that time to say hello. I have a a friend here uh, in the UK, a young woman, Philippa, who was born blind, and she talks about uh, when she's at her home church, and she has people coming up to her and saying, "Hey, Philippa, how are you? How are you doing?" But when she goes with her family on holiday somewhere. And she's walking in with her family. She talks about how people will greet her, her parents, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. not her. Uh, and and that's really hard. And she finds that really, you know, just so tough mm-hmm. to deal with and and such a difference to what she's used to. And so, yeah, just that simple hello yeah. can make a, a world of difference to, to us as parents and to our kids too. Oh, absolutely. We all want to be seen, don't we? And we want to be acknowledged. Mm. And it's just yeah. that simple act. It's just as simple as that, of saying hello. Absolutely. You know, and I, I love, um, you know, you've taken your story, you've taken the experiences that God has placed in your path, uh, given you a son with special needs and, you know, the autism journey, the epilepsy journey, and you haven't just mm. allowed them. Uh, a lot of people would take those things and it would shut them down or it would cause them to be yeah. mad or angry and, and not and mm. stay in that grief cycle of and being the angry piece of that and and not be able to move forward. But that's not what you've done. Because I discovered yesterday as I was (laughs) researching and getting ready for today, just all of the different things that you are doing in your part of the world to Mm. love and serve people with, as you say, additional needs. We say special needs here. And it's beautiful. And so I'd love for you to share what you are doing um, you know, it started off, I saw that you are, you serve as the additional needs ministry director for Urban Saints. So share with mm. us, I'd never heard of Urban Saints before. Share okay. about what that is and then what you do as part of that. Yeah, I think um, yeah, you're absolutely right about that uh, uh, choice that we all have. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, do we embrace the, the the new world that we're living in, the new life that, that we've got? And see that for all the positive things it can bring. That's mm-hmm. not to diminish the the, the hard stuff, because right. you know, there's still hard stuff, mm-hmm. and we have to to deal with that too. But uh, yeah, we can we can either be consumed by all that hard stuff, and like you say, we stay in that cycle of grief. And I've I've met too many families mm-hmm. who are in that place. Yeah. Or we can say, hey, you know what? Let's make the most of this journey that we're on, and let's 
see what's out there. Let's see what we can do together. Let's make the most of the life uh, for our child, for Mm -hmm. them as they grow up and for us as a family. So uh, I've worked at Urban Saints for about 15 years now. Uh, since, well, James was four when I first started there. Mm. I actually started there in a in a different role. I've spent uh, a lot of my time at Urban Saints as Chief Operating Officer. And along the way, probably about uh, eight or nine years ago now, we introduced a scheme at Urban Saints. We're a, we're a Christian children's and youth organization. We, we run uh, weekly groups, camps, holidays. We take young people on overseas mission. Uh, we, we do you know, all the kinds of stuff that a Christian children's and youth organization does uh, anywhere in the world, mm-hmm. really. And um, and we do that across the, the UK. Uh, so eight or nine years ago, we introduced a scheme where uh, the, the staff team could uh, identify a project that they wanted to work on. And we'd give them some of their working hours each month to be able to focus on that. It had to be something to do with Christian children's and youth work, uh, ideally something that either we didn't do or that we could have done better at Mm. that time. And because of of my journey with James, uh, I picked uh, additional needs ministry or special needs ministry as it is in the States. And so we started to explore that. We started to look around to see what else was already out there in the UK. And there were um, some folk doing some some work uh, over here in the UK, but not very many. Uh, and often it was in little pockets, either geographic areas or within a particular uh, church denomination, for example, but nothing really, or, or not so much that was happening in mm-hmm. a, a national way. So we started to explore that. We pushed some doors. We started to do some things and it grew and grew and grew mm-hmm. and grew to the point where five years ago, I was doing two full-time jobs. Uh, wow. I was t- Still doing my chief operating officer job mm-hmm. and uh, also this full-time additional needs ministry wow. uh, job as well. And um, God doesn't rock up in the middle of the night to give me dreams very often. Mm. Uh, but this particular night, he did. And I woke my head buzzing with images and words mm. and Bible verses. And the most vivid thing uh, that God showed me was I uh, was looking at a road with a fork in the road ahead of me. And uh, I thought I could outsmart God. Uh, and I said, <laughs> oh, okay, you know, I, I know what you're showing me here. You know, I'm reaching the point where I need to make a choice between these two things that I'm doing. And then God, as he always do, does when we try and outsmart him, absolutely nailed me. And he says, no, Mark, I'm showing you where you were uh, probably about a year ago. Uh, and since then, you've been trying to run on both roads mm. and you've been running between them and the fork is getting wider and wider and you really can't do that anymore. Mm. And it was very clear what direction God wanted yeah. me to follow. So, yeah, I had some interesting conversations with my CEO and our board of trustees and all of whom were hugely supportive, thankfully. And so, yeah, i, I uh, was uh, then uh, changing roles to do this full time, uh, and five years later, uh, yeah, uh, haven't been busier. <laughs> and so, what does that look like? What do you do with Urban Saints in your groups when you have uh, individuals with special needs, additional needs? What does that look like? So, uh, so yeah, what what that looks like is training teams to be able to understand more about uh, children and young people with additional needs and the families that they're a part of. 
to uh, put some uh, steps in place that can uh, really make a difference to uh, how a child or young person is included better in that group. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, there are some, some sort of obvious steps in there that are, are really important, like Asking the family and, and you know, understanding their journey. Don't just assume, yeah. <laughs> not just assume, uh, right? And, and actually recognise that we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's usually a really good wheel rolling along um, in that child or young person's life at home, at school, maybe in other places that they go. So learning from those experiences, having somebody in uh, that children's youth work setting. That that champions this. That's an mm, inclusion absolutely. champion. That, yep. That's the go-to person for mm-hmm. families uh, to say, "Hey, you know, this yeah. this is what we need for our child," mm-hmm. or "This let me tell you a bit about uh, our child." Yeah. But also to spot when we're doing things that that are really unhelpful, and to then be able to fix that and mm-hmm. uh, and break those barriers down. So you know, those are a couple of really important things. But then bringing yeah. in uh, lots of learnings from the education world and other areas that can really, really make a difference. And then actually in doing all of those things, create an environment where it works better for everyone. Yeah, uh, It actually is a better place for all children and young people because you know, simple things like uh, an, you know, now and next uh, board so that mm-hmm. everybody knows what's happening now yeah. and everybody knows what they're going to do next. Mm-hmm. That really helps uh, everybody kids with additional needs, yeah. but it helps everybody else too. Yeah. You know, and it takes away a lot of that anxiety mm-hmm. and stress that the the unknown can bring. So, yeah. lots of things like that 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 really make a difference. So, I do lots of training, uh, conference speaking, writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, like, uh, recording podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> lots, of, yeah. lots of lots of things to get that message mm-hmm. out there. I blog. I do. Yeah. You know, uh, do loads of stuff. I meet with. With families, I, I uh, co-founded something called the Additional Needs Alliance mm-hmm. uh, with uh, a friend of mine, Kay Morgan Girl. Not long after starting uh, this whole ministry area, and uh, we we found each other. We realised we were, you know, two of the few people that were actually out there doing some stuff. Mm-hmm. So we, we, you know, could do well to do it together, and founded this this place for. Uh, for families to get together, for children's youth and families workers to to get together, practitioners, uh, you know, all kinds of folk that mm. are passionate about this area, and and that's a lively uh, community that that gathers virtually, and every now and then some of us get together face to face too. So yeah, there's there's loads going on mm. that just uh, helps to shift the. Uh, yeah. The, the perception out there, which yeah. can often be negative, mm-hmm. uh, and try and shift that to being more positive yeah. and more inclusive and mm-hmm. accepting and understanding. Yeah, you're changing the narrative of what people yeah. think about the disability community, and Absolutely. you're doing that. One of the ways you mentioned is is through your writing, mm-hmm. and I know that you have a blog um, called the Additional Needs Blog Father. And so share about your blog and what you share on your blog. And then you've also written a book. So tell us all about the different writings that you, that you have and like what you like to to write about. Yeah. So, uh, again, the, the blog's been going now, I think about five years and it started off really as, uh, just a creative way of, again, uh, reaching, a new demographic of people, yeah. uh, a different bunch of people. Uh, so the additional needs blogfather.com got formed uh, and it, it, it happened really quickly. I mean, it was it went from 
a, a sort of a, a divine prod, a bit of an idea to uh, a website and the first uh, blog up there within about 48 hours. So mm. it was a pretty quick turnaround. And what I found was that people liked the stuff that I was putting up there. And mm -hmm. it was some of our story. So every now and then there'll be something about uh, our life and the, the things we're up to and different key moments or, or just funny things that, that, that uh, are good to share or just, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've, I've written a blog that I'll probably be posting over the next couple of days uh, around James's haircut this week. Oh, goodness. Uh, a lovely you know, that, haircut. And shaving. Oh, my goodness. shaving. Shaving. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, yeah. now he's 19. He needs to, you know, we need to do shaving and all of that. So, so it's <laughs> stuff like that. But then yeah. um, uh, there will also be stuff that's good for, um, maybe church, children's, youth, mm -hmm. families, workers to read uh, some tips and tricks about how to include children and young people well in church. Um, there'll be sensory stuff. You know, we're sensory creatures. Mm -hmm. So are our kids. And a lot of additional needs or special needs have sensory aspects to them. So I unpack some of that stuff. Uh, and then there's uh, bits and pieces where I look at some of uh, the uh, relevant stories in the Bible, mm -hmm. people Jesus met, uh, that, uh, you know, at first glance, some of the encounters Jesus had with uh, people with uh, disabilities or health conditions, you know, the narrative can be Jesus meets disabled person, Jesus heals disabled person, everybody moves on. Mm -hmm. But time and time again, there's something else really, really important that yeah. those stories teach us. And, and so I unpack some of those stories or, some of the other things like, you know, the, uh, recently did a blog about the uh, um, story of Mephibosheth mm -hmm. uh, and, yeah. uh, and and David uh, and, you know, the, just picking out little stories like that. And and it's really, really picked up, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people now mm. uh, connect with it uh, and, and read the blogs that are there. Um, I think WordPress tells me that uh, it, it's got 218 different countries yeah. that it lists in the world. Yeah. Uh, and um, uh, my blog has reached, I think, 206 of them. Mm. Uh, so it, you know, th those are amazing. You know, 205 places outside of the UK mm -hmm. that I otherwise maybe wouldn't have reached yeah. through the stuff I do at Urban Saints. And and so, yeah, really thrilled that that message is, mm -hmm. is going far and wide. And, and, because of the blog and the writing I've done there, it's led to me uh, doing other writing, you know, for articles for magazines online and and print articles. And then uh, last year, uh, so back end of last year, I got asked to write a book uh, by a publisher called Grove Books in the UK, and they, they asked if I would write a book about how to support autistic children and young people mm -hmm. in church. Uh, and so that. That got published in February uh, and has been doing amazingly well. There's been uh, lots of interest in that. So, yeah, maybe there'll be more of those to come uh, in the months and years ahead. That That is amazing. And just, you know, I love that you're using your story. You're using what a lot of people would see as challenges and mm. hardships. And, you know, when we kind of offer them up to God, isn't it amazing what he can do with them? And Absolutely. I mean, I... I I love uh, one of the first things that I uh, stumbled across when we were on this journey uh, was, and I know it's it's a story that some people love and some people 
uh, don't like so much, but I love it. It's that um, uh, Emily Pearl Kingsley, we're going to Holland oh, yes. uh, story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, where you, you think you're going to one place and you mm-hmm. find yourself in a different place. And yeah. uh, and it's what you do uh, in that mm-hmm. situation. And the, yeah. the story finishes with some folk arriving uh, in in Holland, uh, you know, they they expected to go to Italy. They ended mm-hmm. up in in Holland instead. And I've I've met so many families over the years that I've been doing this, where you know, metaphorically, they're at Amsterdam Airport in Holland, mm-hmm. and they face that choice: do they mm. do they go out and explore all that mm-hmm. Holland has to offer? It's not Italy; it's mm-hmm. different, but it's got some beautiful things yeah. to go and explore anyway. Or do they get angry that they're not in Italy, refuse mm-hmm. to leave the airport, demand yeah. to be put on a plane back to where they, mm-hmm. they wanted to go, even though that's not going to happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, our choice was to explore Holland. Uh, you know, I encourage everybody that I meet yeah. to go and, and see what a wonderful place, metaphorically, mm-hmm. in this yeah. in this story that, that Holland is. The journey with our uh, child or young person uh, can be a, a wonderful one and mm-hmm. a beautiful one. If we'll be willing to uh, to let that happen, yeah, uh, was, and yeah, and too many families uh, are still in that cycle of grief. Yeah. And and the thing with the cycle of grief is that even if we are in that place of acceptance, even if we're exploring that metaphorical Holland, every now and then we'll still get pitched back into something mm. that takes us back into yeah. that cycle again. And um, last. Was it last summer? No, summer before last. Couple, uh, no, last last summer. It was that that recent. Last summer um, would have been at the time when James did his final school exams. Mm. Uh, what we call here A levels. Uh, I think high school diploma might be okay. something equivalent right. over there. Yeah. Something like that, maybe. Um, uh, so it's it's the final year exams before they go off to university. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, on the, uh, the the good old BBC news mm. uh, uh, here, they they had um, uh, all these students jumping in the air, waving their result papers, getting very excited, and it just struck me in that moment that in a different life that would have been James, yeah. that would have been his journey, and yeah. just for a moment, mm-hmm. just for a few moments, that yeah. that really got me, uh, that really struck me. Mm-hmm. And then I heard James's belly laugh coming from his den yeah. and I wandered in and he gave me a huge beaming smile and mm-hmm. invited me to sit with him. I thought, hey, he doesn't need a bit of paper. Yeah, uh, He doesn't need that exam. He's got everything he needs and mm-hmm. he's got joy and he's got Jesus and he's got us. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's that's it's, worth more than any bit of paper would oh, be. It's so true. And, you know, I was looking at my son the other day and and I thought, you know, what my life would have been like had I not had John Alex, had John mm-hmm. Alex been born, quote unquote, typical, yeah. how different. And I think not, I mean, I, I would have missed out on so much joy and mm-hmm. so much a goodness that I have gotten to experience and learn so much on this journey that oh. have you ever looked at your life and just wondered like what life would have looked like had God not blessed you with your son? Yeah, but I've I've looked at that like you through that lens of I wouldn't have it any different. Oh, me either. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, and and yeah, I've I've sometimes looked back and thought, wow, if if you say as you say, if James had been neurotypical, mm-hmm. if you know, if we'd been on that that different path, 
what would life have been like? I wouldn't be doing, I almost certainly wouldn't be doing the thing that I'm doing now. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I love doing it. It's what God's called me to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's making a difference out there. And maybe God would have called me to something else, but I I love what he's called me into now. And, and I love how he's redeemed something that could have been really hard Mm -hmm. uh, and made it into something beautiful instead. Yeah. 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 Well, something else that I saw that you do just was so exciting to me because my late husband, uh, Jeff, was so passionate about helping dads and about mm. helping dads be the men and the fathers and the husbands that God called them to be. And as you know, on the special needs journey, the, finding community for dads is challenging. But I saw a video of you and you have created something called the Dad's Fire Circle. Yeah. And I would love for you to share about that because it's a beautiful idea. So you know how many of us have a, a, it's like a COVID lockdown thing, the thing that we did when we were stuck yeah. and couldn't go yes. and do things. Yes. Um, so the Dad's Fire Circle is mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, how that came about, again, it was one of those things that went from divine prompt and idea mm-hmm. to reality in like 24, 48 hours. Yeah. Uh, in, in the sort of pre-COVID time, and it's beginning to come back again now with things opening up and uh, the opportunity to gather folk together again. I'd often be involved in additional needs or special needs uh, conferences uh, where families would be gathered together. And often it would be mums that came uh, Mm -hmm. to uh, those conferences. And if dads came, they would be in a significant minority Mm -hmm. and would often be there kind of under duress or they'd right. be transport or you know, yeah, right. uh, and I'd get the job of doing something with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what I would do is I would gather these dads together and say, hey, let's let's share our stories. Let's talk about our experience of, of you know, that moment where we realized that, you know, our child was going to be different to, to what we had uh, thought from the beginning. And uh, and, you know, the, the dads would be there looking at each other all nervously and then maybe I'd start or I'd, you know, dra- I've dragged a friend in with me and they'd start <laughs> and bit by bit, these dads would start to open up. Mm. And you know what? Once they started, you couldn't stop them. Yeah, They'd be talking and sharing and crying and hugging. And when they'd, uh, when the conference would be coming and saying, hey, we need you to come and rejoin us now, you know, <laughs> it was tough to get these dads to, yeah. to, to stop and come back in and and their partners would be looking at them and saying, what's happened to you? Mm-hmm. You know, what's, what's it? Because they were sh- these dads were sharing stuff that they hadn't shared with a living soul before, um, yeah. opening up, you know, things, pain they'd carried mm-hmm. unnecessarily, but they'd carried, you know, all this time, you know, thinking they had to be the strong one. They had to be the one that held it all together. All these, all these things, these pressures they'd put upon themselves that they mm-hmm. were releasing in that moment. So I've been doing some of that. And then during lockdown, uh, there's um, there's a TV presenter uh, here in the UK called Ben Fogel. And what Ben Fogel, one of the programs he, he shows is called New Lives in the Wild. And, and what it's about is a family who, uh, or different families, he does a different one each time, uh, who have given up the uh, the city life and have gone to live out in the wild places, you know, usually somewhere else in the world. 
And he follows their journey and, and sees what life looks like for them now. So on this particular show, it was a, a British family that had gone to live in this wild part of New Zealand. And they were miles away from everybody. Uh, but what happened periodically is that the guys in this wider community, often they were miles apart from each other, uh, they would gather together every now and then around a fire and share stories and mm. catch up with each other. Yeah. And there were only two rules. One was they had a stick and they would pass the stick. And if you were holding the stick, you could talk and everybody else would listen to what you were saying. And the other rule was whatever was said around the fire circle stayed around mm. the fire circle. Yeah. And so I brought those two experiences together and thought, hey, this is something that we need to do for dads of children and young people with additional needs. And so the mm. Dad's Fire Circle was formed and it became uh, a website, dadsfirecircle.com. There's a Facebook group. Uh, every month uh, we gather together. We're still doing that on Zoom at the moment. Um, one day soon, we hope to be able to meet yeah. uh, together in, uh, uh, in in person around a real fire too. Yeah. And we share stories and we share experiences and we talk about uh, you know, maybe things that have been helpful for us. We ask questions and other dads can help to answer. But more than anything, we um, help dads to see that they aren't alone. They're not the only yeah. ones that are on this journey. There mm -hmm. are other dads like them. Some might be a bit further down the road. Some might be behind them down the road a bit. But, mm -hmm. you know, we're all on that same road together and we can all support each other and help each other. And it's great. And we we get dads from uh, from North America, from the US and from Canada, uh, wow. coming and joining us, as well as dads from across the UK and sometimes from Europe too. So yeah, it's a great community and a great place just for dads to come and hang out for a, a little while and um, yeah, connect with other dads like them. And, and what I love, you know, it's such a simple thing to do. You know, like you had this idea, God gave you this idea mm. and you could have said, ah, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Or I don't have time or it's, we're in the middle of COVID or, you know, whatever, but you were like, no, we're going to run with this and we're going to do mm. this. And now look at the lives that are being, being impacted. You know, I think so many, so many times special needs families look at their life and they're like, I don't have anything to offer. You know, my life is so um, tied down to my, the care of my child and but God has given every single one of us a mission, something that mm. we are called to do. And so even taking that first step, even if it's someone saying, you know what, I need to be in community with others. How can I do that? We'll create your own Absolutely. fire circle. Absolutely. Yeah, do it. You know, do it. And, you know, the, the thing about uh, what, what I've found is, you know, you know, as you were saying, that you know, God, God was prompting and, and, and prodding to do this. Mm -hmm. And I could have said, oh, no, no, maybe not now or yeah. that. God can be such a nag. <laughs> He can, yes. uh, you know, and he doesn't let it go. Yeah. You know, he, he doesn't yeah. know that song from Frozen. He doesn't let it go. <laughs> uh, uh. And, uh, and, you know, so I've learned that actually, you know, just, just okay, you know, when, when he comes to me with that mm -hmm. thing, that let's just do it. Let's yeah. just get on with it. And actually, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that was one of those moments with yeah. the dad's fire circle. But you're right. Don't. Don't be isolated. Don't be on your own. Mm -hmm. Don't think, wow, you know, I, I, I've got nobody that I can talk to mm -hmm. uh, that that understands and gets this stuff. You know, find that community, yeah. create that community. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the reality is that, uh, you know, we we reach 
lots of people through the communities that we've built, but we're still just scratching the surface. Mm -hmm. And there are so many families out there that haven't found us, haven't found any of the other communities Mm -hmm. that exist out there and and are struggling on their own and don't think that there's any uh, Mm -hmm. help or hope for them and uh, are in that tough place, you know, that cycle of grief and struggling every day with that. Whereas actually if they could find that community or help create that community, Mm -hmm. life could be very different. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's so important to, to reach out and to find or create Mm -hmm. um, that, that, that space to be with other people that are on this journey with us. Yeah. They get and understand our life and don't think, you know, the stories that we tell, you know, when people talk about being up in the middle of the night with your 24 year old son, not everybody would get that, you know, but yeah, those in, in our community understand, can empathize, and they do. Uh, you, you don't can, feel like you're you, alone. You can talk about poo. Yeah, you know? <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and people get it. You know, people they, get it. Yeah, nobody yeah, can tell a good poo story like a special new parent. I oh, mean, that's absolutely. That's you just know, the, the fact. There's a whole podcast we could do just a- ab- on that. Just on that. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, you know, at Rising Above this year, our overarching theme is restoration because we mm. know so many of our families are just beaten down and weary from this journey. And especially in light of what's, you know, we've all experienced as a whole these last two years, but we know that God is a God who restores. Yes. And so we're looking at ways that God is bringing restoration into our lives. So what are some things or that you're doing right now that's bringing restoration to your life or how have you seen God restore you over these, these past little bit? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we, we talked about some of that in just Absolutely. redeeming yeah. some of our journey mm-hmm. and and journeying with others on that. But yeah. so often as special needs parents, you know, they we're so busy, everything's happening. There's there's so little time to find space. And it's, it's really easy for that to become our narrative, that we haven't mm-hmm. got time, we haven't got space yeah. for anything for us. Uh, so... Uh, my uh, yeah, the the, the thing that, that that we did and uh, has made a difference. And you know, it may not be for everybody, but for us, it worked. Was get a dog. Ah, get a dog. Not uh, for me. Yeah, that that would be stress. Ola yeah. for me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but for us, it, you, know, you you have to take the dog out. You mm. have to go for that walk. Gotcha. You have to go and get that bit of time and that fresh air and mm. that space. And you know what. God can speak in that that mm. time. God can yeah. speak through that dog, uh, and yeah. you know that, that that might look different for different mm-hmm. people. Not every, like you say, not everybody uh, can can have a dog. Yeah, uh, those that can uh, really should. <laughs> those those That's that can't, great. just think what what what's that mean mm. for me? What does that mm-hmm. look like for me? Yeah. How do I um, put that that structure in place that means that each day I need to to take. Uh, that bit of space mm-hmm. and to uh, to just yeah just for a, a few moments stop being you, know, you don't ever stop being your kid's parent but just stop that being the the total focus of of your energy and your time uh, but to actually yeah just have something else uh, that, uh, that that can really really be uh, that focus and mm. I think the other thing I would say and I'm just going to reach behind me for a, a book that uh, has been really helpful uh, on that journey too. So that book is uh, called uh, A Thousand Blessings by Anne Voskamp. Mm, I don't know if you've yeah. read it. Yeah. Uh, but in that moment when uh, James wasn't able to go out for over a year, 
uh, and we really were in a in a harder place with him in in that moment. Uh, I, I read that book. Somebody recommended it to me. Mm-hmm. I read that and started to do what Anne recommends in the book, which is mm-hmm. each day to find and write down three blessings, three mm-hmm. things to give thanks for, three mm-hmm. things that have been positive. And you know, some days it was really really hard to find those three things. Sometimes there were there were plenty, but some days tough days, uh, mm-hmm. it was hard to find them. But I wrote those down. And of course, over a year, and it was just over a year that James was housebound and not able to go out, uh, that gave us a thousand blessings that mm-hmm. were written down in that book. And we were able to go back and look at what we'd written you know, a week ago, a month ago, yeah. six months ago, and think, wow, yeah, we remember when that happened mm. and what a blessing that was. Yeah. And so in that toughest of years, um, when James, when epilepsy arrived, anxiety arrived, and we weren't able to mm-hmm. head out and, uh, and and do things, there were still a thousand blessings yeah. that we'd written down, and, and there were more besides that we'd not mm-hmm. put. So, so I think, yeah, get a dog uh, and buy that book. <laughs> and buy that book. Uh, and yeah. uh, those are two great tips that yeah. I would say uh, can really make a difference yeah. there. Practicing gratitude on a daily basis is a game changer. Yeah, it, it changes it, it really the is. whole perspective. So. Yeah. And it just changes it, your mindset because mm-hmm. you know, what I'd find myself doing during the day would be looking for those blessings, yeah. thinking, oh, you know, tonight I've got to write down my three blessings mm-hmm. and I'd be looking for them. Uh, whereas if I wasn't doing that exercise, then I wouldn't have been doing that. I'd have been maybe sort of sucked into focusing on all the negative mm-hmm. stuff that was, yeah. that was happening and I'd have missed those blessings and mm-hmm. wouldn't have recognized them for what they were. Yeah. Well, Mark, it has been an absolute joy getting to meet you and getting to hear about you and your family and what you're doing in your part of the world. And we will be sure to include in our show notes all the links to the different things you're doing to your (laughs) blog, to your book, to your dad's fireside circle, everything, a fire circle, all the things. We'll be sure to add all those show notes. And uh, again, it's just been a joy and pleasure to get to meet you today. So thank you so much for your time. Oh, Becky, thanks for having me. It's been really great to spend this time chatting and sharing and, uh, you know, the technology held up, everything worked well, uh, but great. it's just been great to be able to, to chat with you and, uh, yeah, just cheering you on in uh, all that you're doing and, uh, yeah, and all the folks that are listening to this, cheering you guys all on mm-hmm. too, on your journey with, with your children and young people too. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for listening to the Rising Above Ministries podcast. If you like what you hear, please take a minute to leave us a rating and review. This helps others like you find our content more easily. You can learn more about how Rising Above Ministries is encouraging the special needs community by checking out our website at risingaboveministries.org or by finding us on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to connecting with you.